Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, you got today, it's going to be a little different. Um, we're doing a, it's like a zoom. I don't know what this is. It's like a video thing with some people that are in a different state, which is kind of cool. Um, and then you also have me and Ken Scott's in the room, but he's just here for looks and trying to make us look good. So, um, today, he's serving us coffee. Yeah. There you well, go. You, you cappuccino. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah. See, th there don't, it is. Yeah. He's trying to put this in the in the view so that the Tyler family can see this. But I told him I'm not pagan, so I won't be putting any of these symbols in front of me. We'll switch this over to the millennial guy yeah, here. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So um, today we're actually going to dive into um, a, a topic that's it's interesting to me. Um, uh, I actually met with this family before. Like I've, I stayed with the Tyler's. That, that's okay, right? The Tyler's, yep. the group here. Um, we have a few of them with us. You have uh, Brother Jeff Tyler, uh, Jordan Tyler, uh, Caitlin, and Jessica Tyler. All those are here with us. Today. And, and Kay's in there. She's hidden. Oh, Kay yeah. didn't want to be on the camera. So, um, Mama there Kay, she is. There makes, she is. She makes the best cookies in the world. So, uh, <laughs> I just can't have them no more. That was a plug for your business, yeah. Sister K. So do you, you can send in the proceeds later, please. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we'll take tithes. What's that? K's Creations? Is that what it's called? Uh, something it like that. Yeah. yeah. There, there, oh, there look at that. <laughs> They're putting cookies on the yeah. screen. So We'll um, never get through this podcast. So what we're diving into today is uh, we're actually talking about racism and how it's been in the church, um, how it's been dealt with, um, and how it's not been dealt with, really. Um, you know, in the climate we live in now, this is obviously a very hot topic outside of the church um but it's kind of been something that's been in my opinion pushed under the rug inside the church um and people have i'm assuming i'm sure we'll hear more today but i'm assuming people have had to uh hide their emotions um when this stuff kind of happens so today you'll get to hear both sides of the street here and we'll get to understand a little bit more um uh, which like i said the family we have here is probably one of my favorite people in the world so um, we'll get this started. We'll let Ken start it because he just loves starting us off every time. Uh, so we'll pass it to Ken. Well, love is a very strong word. Okay. So first of all, I want to welcome uh, the Tyler family with us today. And I want to say thank you for doing this for us. This podcast has been specifically to talk about certain issues, you know, within the church that are issues sometimes that aren't talked about. Um, and not dealt with as well. And so I know that we do that in our congregation, but it hasn't happened in the church, you know, on a consistent basis. And um, just thought it would be a great opportunity for us to, to kind of go over something that people believe have so many different beliefs about. So where I wanted to start at is I wanted to, I wrote down a definition for racism. Okay. This is straight from Miriam, Miriam Webster. It's a belief that race is a fundamental determinant of human traits and capacities and, and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. And so I got to thinking about this and I went back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and, and I'll start asking you guys some questions, okay? But it said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and over the sea and over the fowl and over the air and over the cattle and over 
all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. It's it's funny to me here that this scripture doesn't say anything about man having dominion over man. And yet the definition that I read to you out of out of Merriam-Webster's is, um, you know, that there's the inherent belief that there's a superiority of a particular race. And that, you know, from the very beginning, we don't see that in God's word. So we go on in Genesis verse 1, 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. Um, you know, there is no way that you could look at this scripture and say that um, God has favoritism, that God has partic- chose a particular race. And even when you look at Israel, Israel wasn't chosen because they were actually chosen, if you read in the Old Testament, because they were the fewest people of all the groups of people during that time. He actually chose them by number, not by physical traits. Um, So I wanted to start there because it's obvious, and I think we all know that racism exists in the world. How could you not say that racism exists in the world? Would it be possible for us to go back and try to find a time when racism started in our world? I mean, I I read I read something here, and I think it was, I think it's part of a quote from 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 Nelson Mandela, who said, "Person is born hating another person." That's that's not the way racism works. There has to be beliefs and values and behaviors that are learned and taught during the time that we are being nurtured it's not natural it can it's an impossible thing to be a natural thing to be born hating another race of people it's impossible um but it's got to be based on naturing or nurturing and beliefs and values and ideas and i think nelson mandela went on to say that if it's that then people can also be taught to love And so I said all that to say this, as Christians, because that's the population here that we're dealing with, right? We're not dealing with a population of of black people or white people or Hispanic people. We're dealing with what is supposed to be the followers of Jesus Christ. So I just want to ask you guys a question. Have you ever experienced racism in the church? I know you've experienced it in the world. I know it's happened to you. And if you want to share some of those things, you can. But have you ever experienced it in the church among those who are supposed to be fellow believers or fellow followers or fellow children of God? Um, whoever can take that one. Who wants to take it? <laughs> well, let me, so before we go there, okay, because um, I think we could all answer yes to that question. <clears throat> you talk about racism, though. Um that which we deal with in this country is is somewhat unique, if you will. Um, let me give you an example. Um, there's a lady that works for me from Germany. Um, and I asked her one time, I said, growing up in Germany, I said, um, did you have any black friends? Her response to me wasn't that she had black friends. She, her response to me was, I had a friend that was from Africa. Mm. She specifically talked about 
the continent of Africa rather than the color of the skin. And then we went on to discuss um, that particular situation. But oftentimes the American experience, the first thing that people identify people with, because we're so accustomed to labeling people, the first thing oftentimes we identify people with is that outward appearance thing more so than um, what's on the inside or the origins. Um, so race becomes that label that unfortunately people uh, get identified by. Yeah, that's so true. I, I forget which uh, actor it was, but they were actually doing a, um, an interview with him and Morgan Freeman. They were doing an interview with him and I seen this interview and they made that connotation, you know, about, you know, African-American. And he started to say, he started to ask the question and say, you know, to, to challenge that as if, you know, it's not just about just the skin color, but it's also about the nationality. It's also about where people come from. And so a, a, com, a, a conversation that Jordan and I had was about culture. You know, it's, it's like we can't accept different cultures. And, and this, this can't be just towards one specific population of people either. I mean, you know, there are, who, there are Hispanic people who suffer this. There are Asian people who suffer this. And my question has been is, is it happening in the church? Well, I wouldn't know that. Go ahead, Jordan. I think the other thing to add on to that is I think sometimes people believe, you know, the answer is yes for me as well. As my dad already said, yes, that's happened to me in various instances. And I think the other thing we need to call out is some people may believe that, oh, Jordan has experienced racism in the church. And what does that look like? And I think some people might think it'd be, oh, someone said a racial epithet towards me or said something to me. But I think the other thing we need to bring up is the kind of unscripted or the things that are said to us that might not seem like they're a racist comment or a racist type of thing to me, but it is. And I think those are probably the biggest things um, that might be that I've experienced in the church is the things that might someone might joke about or someone might say or do other than someone just calling me, you know, the N-word or something of that nature. I think it's more of this um, racism that's kind of undertone, this undertone of racism, which I can believe can be almost more hurtful than the outward um, just saying of a word or a phrase. So and I think that is a bigger issue. So Jordan, can you, would you permit me, would all of you permit me to be candid right now? I think it would be extremely helpful if I could just be candid because you guys know that I'm not a racist, right? But so are you talking about those, you know, those normal um, sayings like, you know, referencing how black people would like watermelon or how white black people would like chicken and things like that? Is that what you're saying? Kind of those I think the biggest example I can give, and I think my sisters and I have experienced this, and I, I don't want to talk to them, but I think this they'll they'll not in agreement is the the determination of like, oh Jordan, you're the widest black person I know, uh, and that is something to me that I think is almost more detrimental that has happened in the church than anything, because what that tells me is that you don't see a black man or a black woman as a way of, as a form of excellence in a way as someone that you can live up to. It's like, we're living up to this, this white savior kind of point of view of like, I need to look at what, um, I, you know, the white individual is doing in their success. And that's what I should be living towards. Other than the fact that understanding that as you talked about culture and how I was raised and what I was doing, 
that is who I am as a man. And I don't need to live up to another culture. This is who I am. As yeah. A, so uh, th- that I'm, I'm, you know, I hated to be as candid as I needed to be, but and that's the only way we're going to get through this. We just got to wade through it. So for someone to say you're the whitest black man I ever seen, you know, the the reference there is that it's amazing that you can be who you are and be black, you know, and that, so that type of statement or that you receive that feeling from other people who, you know, were supposed to be fellow believers or fellow followers, right? And so, you know, can I just ask a question as well? Do you feel like that sometimes that there's any innocence to that at all, or do you feel like that it is always intentional? So I would go ahead, Jess. Um, I'm going to try to specify a little bit more of what Jordan said and answer your mm-hmm. question. And I believe that yes, there is an innocence to that. I think that in in the day and age in which we live, and people, I think people truly do want to say things that seem helpful um, or seem like they're compliments but they don't always understand that the compliment is actually um, the insult yeah, uh, or derogatory. Exactly. So uh, when Jordan is saying, you know, he's been set, he's been told he's the whitest black man that somebody knows. Generally that's referencing the way that we speak, the way that we wear our hair, um, the way that we dress, what our interests are. And those are all based upon stereotypes that they believe a black person should have. So for instance, for myself, um, most people think that black people should have kind of thicker, coarser hair. Um, they believe that, you know, I should dress in a certain way. They believe that I shouldn't speak this way, or they'll say things like, you speak with such eloquence, or you speak with excellence, because they believe a black person should not have that type of, of upbringing or education. Um, they see them as what they see in a movie or, you know, on TV or, you know, a radio show or what have you. Um, of somebody who lives in a poor neighborhood, but, you know, and that's a whole thing in and of itself. Um, you know, poor neighborhoods can be comprised of many different cultures and many different backgrounds. And a lot of times, yes, they are comprised of black individuals, but that has more to do with our history. Um, and how, I guess how, um, slavery and racism itself has caused us to, you know, live under our means for a long time. And that goes back, I'm not trying to be long-winded, but that goes back to- No, take your time. You're fine. 400-year jumpstart. You know, though our white counterparts had a 400-year jumpstart to us. We were told we were only allowed to live in certain neighborhoods. We were only allowed to go to certain schools. And so therefore, sometimes it's harder for us as Black Americans to be able to, you know, see, to be equal, to have those- you know, those opportunities that maybe somebody else has had. So, you know, bringing all that back, those stereotypes are based upon what we were told. And a lot of times that's a way to keep us under. That's a way to show superiority. I'm up here as a white individual, but you're down here. This is where you should be. And you're not here. You're actually up here with me. And that, not that somebody feels that that necessarily might be a problem, but they're calling it out as, hey, this is my stereotype of, of you, and you're living beyond that stereotype. And that's so just, yeah, so just, I, th- I think that that definitely exists in the world where, you know, hey, I'm a white guy, you're a black guy, I have these stereotypical ideas and these ideologies of how black people should be. 
or Hispanic people or Asian people, right? Because all of those stereotypical ideas have been brought into our culture in Western culture, mainly in Western culture, right? And so I think you brought up two points that I just, I heard you, Brother Jeff. I think you brought up two very valid points. And number one is how black people are actually portrayed in the movies and in the media. That's, you know, people, that's where people get our, get their ideas from, right? The other thing is I think that you brought up is because a black person has eloquent speech, because their hair is not as coarse, because they're a little lighter skinned or whatever it may be, right? Mm -hmm. When all that comes down to the very basics, it's an opportunity for education. And so when education begins to actually start to transform folks, whether they're whether they're black or white or Asian or, you know, I, I heard about, and, I, and I'll try to be quiet and let Jeff, but they just recently, somebody just recently put out this uh, movie. I think it was Ron Howard. It's called Hillbilly Eulogy. I don't know if you've heard about it, but I've read a little bit about it. And it's all about this Kentucky drug using mom and her son who wants to go to Harvard. Right. And I mean, they're as poor as poor can be. And there's just that very stereotypical idea of, oh, it's a poor white Southern people, you know, who are uneducated. And, and, and so that exists well, as well. And as soon as those stereotypes are labeled, it's based on a lot of what we see in the media and the education that we're receiving either at home or in our schools or even in our colleges it has shaped and formed the ideology, the ideologies that we have currently. And I, I think you're exactly right, Jess, that when, when you take a people, uh, let's say that there's a people right now um, up in the North Pole that we haven't discovered yet, right? And they haven't had the opportunities. Guess what? the rest of the world is automatically going to be somewhat reserved by them because they don't know what they believe. And we're trying to get everybody to fit into the same cookie cutter mold. I want you to be exactly like me. It, it can't work that way. I, I want to keep this very scripted to the church because we know in the church, if there's a preacher or a pastor who, or somebody who's in leadership, right? who's ever made you feel that way, then something's wrong. I mean, there's, there's definitely something wrong there because there, can no, there, there is no hierarchy in the church. There is no monarchy in the church except for Christ. That's it. And so I would think that a person who became Christian, that as soon as they became Christian, if they had, or not as soon as, but as they walked in their walk with Christ, if they had issues with racism, that they that that would begin God and Christ would begin to reform their way of thought towards that. I mean, just it's a sinful thing. Racism is sin. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It's sinful. And I don't know if any other Church of God preachers ever named that, but I'm going to tell you it's sinful, plain and simple. Go ahead, so, Jeff. Let me add two things to what you just said. <clears throat> um I'll get to the, the last thing first and go back to answering your question about experiencing racism in the church and whether it's done innocently. What has happened traditionally around the church is we have striven for homogeneity, not unity. Homogeneity 
different way of looking at things because we want everybody to be exactly like us. And yes, usually is majority, not minority. Um, so when we come in as someone that's different, um, and this has happened to me, um, because I was different, because I was of a different race, um, the things that I would espouse to or that I was taught growing up or, you know, even down to things like music, um, I was told that that's too worldly, okay? And you need to be more like us as opposed to allowing myself to be who I was. Right. So let me give you an example. I had a... a a sister in the church, sweet as she can be, walk up to me after service or before service. And she said, Brother Jeff, do you and your family have a song? And I said, no, we don't. She said, well, you and your family need to use your gift because we know that your people have that gift and your people have the gift of singing. So you need to use the gift that your people have. Now, I didn't respond to that because actually I was pretty shocked when she said that. Yeah, I guess so. She did it innocently. To this day, if I walked up to her and said, hey, you know, that was kind of offensive, not just kind of, but if that was offensive, she'd have no clue. Right. But it's, it's, those, it's those labels and phrases, you know, maybe I can sing, but I praise God in a different way, not just through song. Absolutely. Um, I have a capacity to be able to speak. So that is the gift that God has given me to use, Mm. uh, which around the church sometimes has not been readily accepted, to be very honest with you. I've been accepted as a singer, not as a preacher. Wow. Caitlin, your sister Kay want to jump in here? Give you a chance. Um, No, I would agree with what everybody has said so far about experiencing racism in the church and kind of what that looks like Um, and how Jessica said, you know, being told, or Jordan also said, being the whitest black person they've ever seen. I think that might be one of the most common things that we've been told around the church. Um, Unfortunately, along with, don't you guys have a song to sing? Um, And I think that sometimes is the hardest thing to take in because they're expecting you to be in this box. And unless you fit in the box, you're not accepted. Don't go outside that box because this is what you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to act. Wow. So there's definitely black people who can't sing. I've heard that before, right? There's Hispanic people who can't sing. <laughs> there's one white guy sitting over here who definitely can't sing, right? That's me. But that it yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. But again, that you know, it's to make that assumption. So how, you know, how do we in the church what is the what's the what is the way, you know? I don't believe, I honestly don't believe that racism is going to change in the world at the rate that it needs to change at. I believe it's changing, but I don't believe it's going to change at the rate that it needs to change at simply because there, it's a heart condition. You know, it's it's a sinful heart condition. It's just like, to me, it's no difference than, you know, alcoholism or anything like that or it's it's a sinful condition when you have hatred in your heart towards someone else or there's that planted seed of, wow, I wonder if I could get by with saying this to Brother Jeff because he's black. That's different than someone actually doing it innocently, you know. 
for someone to be like you said, that older person, brother Jeff, right? Yeah. Automatically making those assumptions, and even though that it was innocent, she would still need to be educated that that could possibly be offensive, and to learn that we don't say that. I, I mean, I, I don't know that um, people really see the need for doing that because they just think that we should automatically let those things go. But I, I don't think that we can let those things go. I think we need to change behavior. Um, but behavior don't change until your thought process changes, until you start to look at things differently. It's it's pretty amazing to me. The Queen of Jordan was asked a question about the the Islamic religion. And she was talking about how there was so many wars and and she made one of the most profound statements I've ever heard anybody say. She said, you can't stop an idea with a bullet. You can't. And you can't, you can't change an idea with a riot. You know, you can't change an idea with uh, these aggressive behaviors. People have to learn to love. When I've quoted that first thing there, Nelson Mandela said, you're not born to hate if, and you, you have to be taught to hate. And if you're taught to hate, then you can be taught to love. And isn't that what Jesus is supposed to do for us anyhow? He teaches us to love, right? Um, but I think people struggle with that sometimes just because they don't understand the cultures. Oh, I, I think that's, I think, I think culture is one of the, it's like you can be church of God, but you can't have your culture. Oh. Right. I mean, but yet, to be honest with you, people can say, because, you know, we're in the South, you can have your Southern culture because that's referenced all the time, you know, like us not wearing shoes and stuff like that, right? We do wear shoes. Um, <laughs> and and I, I would say something else, but I'm not going to. Um, so let's talk about culture a little bit. How does culture, you know, because how does culture affect worship? Because I'll be honest with you, when I go to Haiti, right, and Jess has been to Haiti. Jeff, have you been to Haiti? No, Katie's been to Haiti. Katie's been to Haiti. Uh, their worship is very lively, you yeah. know, and a lot of people see, uh, assume that you're going to go into a black church, it's going to be lively. I mean, there's going to be a lot of singing, there's going to be a lot of shouting, a lot of clapping, and things like that. A lot of that comes from cultural worship that come back dirt from times when black people were slaves and for people to understand that and say, Oh, you can't do that. You know, you're don't get too excited here. People think you're Pentecostal. That's, you know, that's somewhat ridiculous to think that you can't have your culture and still be saved. Right. Because if you look at the new Testament and you look at how, you know, Paul was addressing the issue of the Gentiles not actually being physically circumcised because it was just a tradition that was, you know, with or a law that was for the Israelite people. There was a lot of contention over that. And he was like, no, no, these, they, they're, you know, this, this is who they are. They are not who you are. You have to accept them for who they are. And I think that's been a big issue in the church. Let's talk about culture a little bit. Somebody jump in. Anybody jump in. I'm going to circle back around really quick to something you said earlier. And you were talking about, you know, how do we address this in the church? And 
I mean, I'm 30 years old, and this is the first conversation in the church that we've been privy to about denouncing racism and saying it's a sin. And 30. And so I think I start with conversations like that and it coming from ministry and saying pretty much this is where it stops. Um, I'll speak for myself. My siblings and parents can speak for themselves, but I've never heard this until today from any outside of my family. So you've never sat in a in a church service where a minister has preached on racism, it being wrong, it being a sin. Never heard that in 30 years. 30 years. <laughs> I, I will second that. I am obviously I'm 32. Never once has any minister that I have been in attendance with ever denounced racism. Not once. I, think, I almost seem like it seems like they how do I say this? It almost feels I like I thought we lost him for a while. Yeah. He's he's back. I'm just I don't know. I'm just over here taking all this in. It's mind blowing. Um, I almost feel like people want you to hide your feelings. You know, oh. and I mean, not that not that they're being racist towards you or anything, but like it's like mm, you need to take a back seat with that. Nobody really that's an uncomfortable thing. But that's the whole thing of this podcast, though. That we I don't know if you what you've listened to, but most of the stuff we've talked about has been uncomfortable subjects. It's not, we're not talking about the the bread and butter, you know, oh, get saved, go to heaven. No, we're not, we're talking about the stuff that nobody else wants to talk about, you know? And um, I mean, I, I remember. Like tattoos. See yeah, this guy here? Yeah, that's, that's coming up. <laughs> that one's coming up. But I remember, you know, I think it's been, what, two years since we stayed and me and my wife and kids stayed with y'all. And um and I, I remember sitting there, we were having dinner, I think it was the 4th of July or something like that, and I was listening to Jordan, and I maybe maybe one of your cousins, I think, was with us. I can't remember who all was there. There was a bunch of people there. But anyway, y'all was talking about real-life experiences, and I'm sitting here like my mind is shook because, I mean, obviously, I'm a white male. I don't, I don't, I don't see the other side of that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm no way, shape, or form ever – this racist or had a racist thought like that but i've I've just it's blown my mind some of the stories i was hearing y'all talk about i was like oh my goodness like this is ridiculous but then when ken brings it up about in the church i'm like surely not because in that at that at that rate you how do they have it there's no way this is i mean we're not serving a white jesus i don't know if anybody knew that or not like he's (laughs) He's not a middle-aged American. This isn't what we, <laughs> he wasn't here. You know what I mean? In this state, this is not how that works. And, and I mean, some of the, if, if there's racism in the church, people need to understand that, that he's not a white guy. You know, there's not going to be a white Jesus show up and say, all right, let's go. And you others stay behind That's I mean, it's crazy to me. It just blows my mind. Um, that the fact that the biggest commandment that Jesus harps on over and over and over is love. Love others. You know, the most important is to love your neighbor. That's why, I mean, he says that to the Pharisees. And we shouldn't even be having this conversation in the church. This, should, this shouldn't even be an issue. If you've got it, that's, that, this shouldn't even be an issue. But unfortunately, this is where we're at. You know, this is what we're having to... But think to, about it. Think about it. Um, you know, Brother Ken, you're right. You know, there are things that are out in the world that shouldn't be affecting the church. But worldliness has crept into the church. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Racism is a is worldliness. Yeah. Not only is it sin, but it's also worldliness. So we can talk about things like dress and hair and those types of things. 
But racism is just as worldly as any of those things as well. Yeah, actually more so to be, I mean, it's, I believe people can dress a certain way and not be, uh, be being sinful. Right. I don't think you can be racial and not be sinful. Absolutely. It's just no way. You know, I, I, I was thinking about what Greg said, you know, how could we, how could this be in the church? There's people who could look at someone who's black or Hispanic or whatever in the church and say, I love you as a brother. I don't understand you. And so therefore, you know, I'm I'm going to kind of hold you at arm's length because I don't understand you, and I really don't want you to have your culture right. Um, because we should all have this church culture. We see where that's got us. <laughs> it's our podcast, so we we can say what we want. <laughs> but um, it, that that culture within itself has been detrimental, and so. I do want to say something about what Greg said. So God tried it with a nation. It did not work out. <laughs> he, he tried it with Israel. It did not work out. So his whole plan changed from, I'm not going to work with a nation. I'm going to write my laws in my hearts and my, my, my laws and my precepts in their minds and in their hearts. And I think we pretty much established the fact that from the beginning of creation, there was man, period which is humanity. And it had nothing to do with, you know, races or cultures or anything like that as far as spiritually goes. Do you know why I wanted to do this? <laughs> I wasn't saved very long. And uh, I, there was a brother who told me a joke, right? And in that joke, he used the N-word. And I can remember, I, I'll be honest with you, I can remember... And now listen, you're talking to a guy who was raised in a little white rural farmland in the middle of Ohio. And y'all don't think you got no rednecks up there, but you got rednecks up there. Trust me. <laughs> okay. So in the middle of that rural area, right? And so salvation brought to me a, a different understanding. It brought to me a clarity of what it was truly like to love an individual for for seeing them from the inside not seeing them from the outside and i was i was extremely set back by it i was appalled i didn't laugh you know i didn't feel compelled to laugh and i wanted to challenge him right then i wanted to say well, you, you don't do that you can't do that as a christian you can't even you know even talking to another white person and make i mean imagine if there was a, someone there who was lost right? Who heard that? You know, we can't, I, I'm going to charge us and say, we can't even in the back of our minds have these thoughts, you know? And and when the enemy brings them up, because he does, the enemy's going to do that. He, he's going to work through racism. He's going to work through whatever he can. We have to have the mind of Christ because we don't, we don't live that way anymore. We don't talk that way anymore. We don't see people. Greg's right. God is not white. He's light. It never said his color in the scripture, but it did say what he was. He's light. He's truth. He's the life. He's the way. And I don't think he picks a skin color for that. So <laughs> let's have a little more about culture. If, I, if Yeah, I think I, I would say one of the, I, know, I think we've had a discussion as a family too about culture, but I think one of the biggest things when we talk about solutions in the church, but also culture is culture is our world when it comes to black a black community. Our culture is everything to us. Because at a point in time, even up till now, 
that's all we had. So I think that's the other thing we have to understand and what I want to continue to educate others on is our culture is the only thing at certain times in our community's lifetime that, that, that we had. So if that's song, if that's dress, if that's the way we talk to each other, all that was encompassed of who we were and our identity that was taken away from us for so many years. So when we talk about solution, I think the, the best part about this is what we're doing right now is having the tough, uncomfortable conversations. And just like my sister said, to have someone to denounce racism, especially in the church as someone who is a pastor, is something that I don't take lightly, and I appreciate that. I really do, because it's something I think it has to happen across all the churches. It has to. It has to be something that we have to have uncomfortable um, conversations, not only within our church, but also within each other as brother and sister, these little small conversations are what are going to move the needle. So I think with so, culture, it is something we we need. So Jordan, do you think, I mean, do you think that with it all, well, all of you, question for all of you, do you think that within cultures, when we become Christians, when we give our heart and lives to God, that there are certain aspects of our culture, certain cultural things that he will take away from us? regardless of what race we are, if they're not good for our Christian life and our Christian walk? Because there are cultural things that are not good for us. It doesn't matter our race or, you know, because in the reason I ask this question, right, is because I, I feel like that we, we, the world does make a lot of room and a lot of excuses for disrespect and bad behavior, regardless of what culture you're from, right? And 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 then some of that is pinned to cultural beliefs or cultural ideas. But as Christians, do we not feel that regardless whether you're black or Hispanic or white or Asian or whatever color you are, if you were, I'll give you a prime example, right? In that little white rule farm community that I was raised in, there was no black kids in my school. None. I, I didn't, there was one black guy who come to the school like a sophomore year. Um, his name was Ricky Walker. I never forget the guy. Him and I become great friends, played on the football team together, just really enjoy it. And I learn a lot because I was like, oh man, I want to know what it's like to be a black guy. You know what I'm saying? So I started asking him questions. And he was floored by that, you know, and I was like, well, how am I supposed to know? I'm not a black guy, right? But I do believe that there are, are cultural tolerances, that those things do exist and we need to have those. But I also think that there are cultural things that are inexcusable in God's eyes. Do you agree with that or disagree? Yes, I would agree. And let me, let me put a little twist on it. Um, the twist is this. Our family is made up, if you want to look at it, truly the right way, we're made up of two different cultures. If you look at how Katie grew up and you look at how I grew up, we grew up under two different cultural norms. Katie, and if I can be blunt, Katie grew up in the neighborhood. Now, her parents were Church of God, but she went to neighborhood schools. Um, she grew up mostly around blacks in the neighborhood. Um, and that is the perspective that she came from. Although I was born in kind of that environment, my family chose to move out of that environment. And in fact, um, when they bought their, I'm going to call it their second home, really their first home, 
they had to buy their first home and pay cash for it because of redlining. They couldn't mm-hmm. buy in the neighborhood or could not get a loan in the neighborhood in which they bought. Um, but they, we grew up in a predominantly all-white neighborhood. So now you've got these two cultures coming together. Our kids have experienced both cultures, if you will, within the black community. Um, and so we've, we've been able to um, meld those things, if I can say it that way, to create something that is unique for us. Um, go ahead. That, that's, that's really interesting because I wanted to bring up the uh, socioeconomics situation with different cultures, right? Because you just explained both of them. So, you know, you said Katie grew up in the neighborhood, which I'm assuming you're talking about what black, what is referred to in black culture as the hood or the right. lower poverty area where lower income, lower socioeconomical status is much, much lower, you know, than there are for people who are in other neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that, have you been stereotyped that way as well? That like, cause I know Jess, you're a nurse and you know, uh, Jordan is, uh, is, has a has a degree in, in business and Katie has a, Caitlin has her degree in teaching. All of you are, are very successful, right? So have you ran up against those, you know, those factors as far as in the church goes even, right? Because that's where, you know, I'm, I'm only going to change. I'm not interested about changing America because America is not going to change. I'll just tell you there's it, – it, it, so racism has been around for a very long time. I thought about trying to go back and figure out when it started, but <laughs> – you know, as soon as man started, I think it whenever Eve took the bite of the fruit, that's when it started, right? Anything that was, it was the fruit of the knowledge of both good and evil. But, you know, if, if you sit and you try to look at that and you say, well, when did it start? And we're not going to be able to change that, but we can change individuals. And that's what I'm interested in. How do I change an individual's mind? If there's someone sitting in the church, who really don't understand this, who does not understand what it's like to have some of these obstacles and these barriers. Some of these socioeconomic issues have cre- have prevented different races from a- being able to have the education that other races would have. It's there. It exists. Does that exist in the church? Anybody can take that one. Jess, go ahead. I'll call on you. <laughs> So actually, Caitlin has a fantastic analogy for this that I would really love for her to say. Um, and then we can we can kind of discuss what that means for us as far as the church is concerned. But I think it would paint a really good picture for those that are listening. Awesome. She deferred to you, Caitlin. Um, so the analogy is um, equality versus equity. So a lot of times we hear, let's make everything equal. And we'll take two kids who are um, at a fence line. The one child is a Caucasian child. He has no fence in front of him. The other child is a black child and there's a fence in front of him. So we're going to make life equal. We're going to give them both the same box, the same um, length of box. So now they're both on a box. However, the Caucasian child can still see further than the child of a different race because his box, he has no fence. So he has nothing that's um, in his way. Now, if we're going to make it equitable, then the black child would then get a box that's a little bit higher than the Caucasian child because he has a fence in front of him. But we're going to give him a box that's higher 
So then that their viewpoint or where they're looking from is the same. So do you think that that, that, that inequality also exists, not just in cultures that are black, but also even in white cultures, does that exist there as well? Because of the social, I mean, you know, there's a, when you come to, and I'm sure it's up there as well. I'll give you an, I think I can give you a good example of this. You see, uh, you see a, a white guy driving an old car, the headlights busted out. There's dents in the side of it, right? He's got his wife in there and two babies in the back. And uh, automatically you can begin to stereotype them as he's a drug user and or he don't want to work or whatever. But in all actuality, he's the guy who's actually just trying to beat out a living and can't get ahead, you know, because there are those people who exist in that way. So does that box, is that box as far as equality goes, is that box in order to educate people in the church as the church, as a church community, I don't know what we can do in the world. I'll just be honest with you. I don't know what we can do there. I think there's changes being made and I'm grateful for that. And I'm thankful for that. But in the church, if we see that, then as the body, it's our responsibility to remove the fence. That's, that's where I feel that as the body, if we see a young man struggling or a young woman struggling, Regardless of nationality, how can we as the body of Christ help remove the fence to give them the the opportunity that they need? Because I think that's where the church has failed. Is that, what do you think? What do you think about that thought, Caitlin? Sorry, we got, ours was going in and out a little bit in between the conversation. Um, But I think you bring up a good point that Sometimes it's not just based upon black culture versus white culture. It can be across many cultures um, that this is happening. And I think, as Jordan stated before, it starts with having the hard conversations um, and talking about these things. And I think it also comes down to respecting each other and having that level of respect that you're able to look at things differently, look from a different perspective, take a seat back. And um, just listen to what they're saying. And you not, you're not going to always understand it, but you can take the time to listen to their perspective and kind of go home and do your own study and come back with questions and follow up with them on whatever the issue may be. Yeah, I think that is such a great point. If, if you're not asking the question, if, you know, there's no way I'm going to know what it's like to be a black person, a Hispanic person, or an Asian person, but I can't ask the question, what is that like? At the same point, you know, for me, just to give you a little reality, my mom and dad divorced whenever I was five years old. My mother was a single parent raising four kids by herself. We were poor. I'm just going to tell you, we were extremely poor. Um, I can remember eating hot dogs for a week straight because that's all we had. You know, I'd never got new school clothes. That never happened. Not till mom started getting a little bit better job. That, so it's there. There's so many things that exist there, right? I'm worried because I think that the church needs to see that regardless if it's a black person or a white person or it's a person who has money or doesn't have money, how do we take care of each other? You know, how do we be the body and and try to understand each other and not say, oh, well, 
you know, Jordan, if you're going to be one of us, then you have to dress white. What does that mean? What is dress? If you, I don't know what dressing white, this is funny. I was in a college class and this young kid turns around and he looks at me, he says, man, Ken, you got some swag, man. And I was like, he's a white guy. I was like, I didn't know what swag was. I had no clue. And so I come home and I said, honey, what is, I didn't know if it was a bad statement or a good statement, right? Isn't it really kind of bad that it, that the church is saying you're the, you know, you're the whitest black guy I know because of the way you're dressing or because of the way you speak or because there's just no way. And, and if it's in a, even if it's innocent, I, th- I think this. Jesus warned us that offenses would come. They're going to come. We're not going to get away from those regardless of the culture or the the color of our skin. I think that we need to educate people about how not to be intentionally offensive. How and and to be careful. I think what's happened is we're we're not as considerate as we used to be. And and I think if we were more considerate towards one another in the church, that it would make a big difference. Like if I took into consideration and said, oh, Jess, wow, I'm surprised that you're a nurse practitioner because you're a black girl. You know, I may not put the black girl part on that, but if my reaction is, is that I'm surprised that you're there, right, then I need to check that. I need to learn about that. I need to let the Spirit of God teach me not to do those things. I think that has happened. I think that's happened not only to me, but I, I and I will defer to my sisters more than me because I am a male. But I think as my sisters being black females, especially in the church, that has happened to them probably even more than me, uh, being two black females who are educated, who have taken higher amounts of learning at, at, at an academic level. Um, so I would definitely want to defer to them on, on their experiences, but quickly for mine, I have felt that in a way, you know, being a black male who has, you know, has a bachelor's degree. I work in a, in a setting that's a little um, different at a, at a state level, you know, same way with my father, the same way. So I think it, it is something that is sometimes a little bit like, Oh, that's where you work or, Oh, you went to college or, Oh, you, you have these different things or you work on these different projects, but I will defer to, to Justin and Caitlin on there, but it, but it has been there for you, right, Jordan? That's what you're absolutely. saying. It's absolutely it's been there, absolutely. Okay, girls. I will say, um, first of all, yes, that has definitely happened to me on more than one occasion. Um, and a lot of times, we're told specifically in the church, you can't respond to that. You know, if you respond to that, you either have a bad attitude, um, or you just need to be filled more with God so that that doesn't affect you. Um, we are told to kind of take a back seat to those comments and, you know, just let them write out. Just let people say what they need to say to you. Um, and you keep your eyes straight. You keep what you can do, um, you know, pointed towards Christ. When in all actuality, we're not necessarily dealing with, you know, a- an issue that we need to keep to ourselves. We're dealing with racism and that's a problem. Um, and I want to be very clear to, you know, whoever's listening to this that, Racism in the church to me is not necessarily just saying racial slurs. I don't, I have never heard a racial slur from anybody in the church. Um, It's those kind of what we said at the beginning. It's those, it's those undertones. It's those things that people say 
or do, maybe innocently, maybe not, um, that perpetuates racism. Um, I know my dad has experienced this where people don't necessarily take him seriously as a minister. I have seen that in my lifetime um, where he is supposed to take a back seat to the others that are more prominent. Um, whether regardless of, of the reasons why, a lot of it is because he is a black man and that's not necessarily in some areas, that's not necessarily accepted. Like he may not have, how can he have, you know, the spirit of God that we're looking for or the message that we're looking for? How can he relate to the people that he's talking to because he's different? Um, you know, I have been told myself like, well, you need to, like Jordan had said before, you need to get up there and sing. And it's not necessarily because I might have a good voice or I don't. It's based purely upon the fact that they see black individuals as entertainment. You know, a lot of times there's a lot of black people that come into our church and they do, they sing wonderfully. We all know these people and we can, we can say names. Sure. You know, they, they sing really well, but we're told that we are that we are coming for entertainment. We're coming to make things lively, but that's it. You know, you stay in that realm. That is racism. That's not being you know, oh, we're, we're just talking about their gifts. That's, you might be, that might be true that they might have the gift of singing or, you know, a gift of worship or whatever, but saying that they can only do that because that's what's expected is racism. So I, I think just that's, you know, when you talk about that, there's a couple of things here. The thought, first of all, the thought of just get over that. I mean, you should be stronger than that. You should be more spiritual than that. I can tell you plenty of preachers who've got issues that haven't got over it. So obviously they must not be spiritual. <laughs> so, um, And I think that's important for us to say, because, you know, this, all of this to me comes down to the thought of if I have said something innocently and God speaks to me about that. If I spoke out of turn, I joke with, you know, you guys see me joke with, with um, this guy over here, Greg, the millennial all the time, about calling him a millennial, right? But if he could, you know, if I discerned, and I believe if it was hurting him, if we were connected in the way that we should be connected, that God would speak to me about that, and I would go to him and ask him for forgiveness for that, right? And change that behavior and not use those things anymore. Because when you think of the young rich ruler, Jesus tried to change his behavior. He checked the box off. I did this. I did this. I did this. Right. But when it come down to time to change behavior, go sell all that you have and follow me. He wasn't willing to do it, you know? And I think that to have the attitude, well, you should just get over it. You you know, you, you there's no way that, that that attitude should exist in Christianity. I think part of the reason why it does exist is because we've never talked about it. We've never had this conversation. I, I do want to share an incident with you that happened to me. I told a story one time preaching at a camp meeting about an incident that happened to me, and I call everybody bro. I mean, that's me. That's who I am. I mean, I, all the veterans, what's up, bro? What's up? That could be a connotation toward just being brothers in arms, right? Or, But that's – I heard a, a – Actually, his brother Scott's dad, he was preaching one time, and he made a statement. He, he said that Brother Emerson said one time, he said, if I miss him in Christ, I'll catch him in Adam, right. and referring to how we're all connected, right? So I call everybody, bro. I told this story, 
And immediately afterwards, because I called, you know, I said, you have a good day, bro, is what I told the guy. The guy was literally threatening to whip me is what was happening. It was the subway story. Process that baby. I don't know if you ever heard that right, but <laughs> you guys are laughing, right? And after that service, there was an individual who was black who come up to me and says, why'd you call him bro? And I'll be honest with you, that really bothered me, but I didn't back away from it because it was, it was, he was implying that I was being racist. And I just looked at him and I said, brother, don't go there. Please don't go there. You know that. I call everybody, bro. You know that. I've called you, bro, for years. Don't do that. It's almost like that, that sometimes there's this spirit that gets stirred up in people where, and I think it's in every, it can happen to every individual where, oh, I want to try to trip him up or I want to try to, I want to get something started, right? We don't need to get this started. It's already started. It's been started for years. We need to get it stopped. Does racism exist from black to white people? Does that exist? That's very possible. Yes. Um, it can, it can be reversed. Um, but here's how I would answer both sides with a solution rather than the problem itself. To me, it comes down to two things. And, and Caitlin talked about the one and it's called respect. Now, the other side of that is trust. And, and when we can get to the level of respect and trust, we can really get to the point of um, abolishing this thing called racism, definitely in the church. Um, respect me and trust me. Um, respect who I am and maybe the fact that I am different, whether I'm white or black. Um, and and, and show, show forth that trust that I'm looking for. Because honestly, that is the reason why sometimes black folks don't come to a white church. I'm being very honest. We've invited certain people and they don't feel comfortable. Um, so in other words, they're saying they don't feel respected or trusted in that arena. So I think, Brother Ken, you touched on it and you're absolutely correct. This is a heart condition and the heart condition has to be changed for a person to really be able to reach out in the right way. Um, once the heart condition is changed, then yes, you will respect a person for who they are. They will feel like they are trusted in the arena, and that arena being the church, if you will. Um, and they will feel like that they can um, exercise their gifts, whatever those gifts are, um, in a fair and equitable way, just like Caitlin addressed. So if, if you mention about black people won't come to a white church because you know, they feel like that those, those things are going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So how does, how does that church, cause I, I just got to be straight up with you, right? There's no black people in our church. Right. And I don't think we would make black people. You guys been here. Do we make you feel that way? Oh, no, no, no. So the question is, and I've asked it for years. I walked up to a black guy here, right? And I'm talking to him and I'm like, why don't black people and white people worship together? Why, why don't that happen? Here in the South, they have AME churches, right? Which is a lot of, of churches that have that very rich cultural black history to it, right? And so I just asked him that question. And that wasn't the answer that he gave me. Of course, he was going to a different church, right? A di a, and 
it was all about worship style. That's that's all it was about. It was all about worship style, right? I asked a Hispanic guy one time. I said, "Why don't Hispanic people and white people worship together here?" Half a mile that way, half a mile that way, there's a Hispanic church half a mile that way and a Hispanic church a half a mile that way. And I'm like, and I asked him, what's the difference? He said it was a language barrier. I said, what if we get an interpreter? I don't, you know, you don't understand English, but I don't understand Spanish. Get somebody to interpret Spanish back to me in English, right? It's deeper. I think there's something deeper than that there, right? I think it's like, I think there's this very culturally ingrained idea and that we, and I think it started way, 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 way back at the beginning of this country where you stay with your own kind. We've seen that, you know, in neighborhoods, you know, we've seen that. I mean, in New York City, you've got little China, right? You don't live there unless you're Asian, an Asian descent. I, I don't know how to change that, but that cannot be in the church. There is no way that that can happen where you stay with your group. And how do you, how do we change that? How do we, you know, how do I go out here? You guys tell me, how do I go out here and try to win a black person to come to, to come to church and worship with us? How's that going to work? Am I going to have to understand their culture? I think so. I think you're going to have to understand it a little bit or you're not going to be able to relate. So I think that's important. I think the second thing is, is that you're going to have to work really hard to make sure that those cultural barriers are not within your congregation so that when they come in, they actually do feel welcome. And then I think the third thing, and this is the most important thing is, is that if God's spirit can can tear down the wall between a man and his sin, then that means all the sin. And that includes racism. True. And so if it's not there, you know, because I asked you the question, can, can, a, can a black person be racist towards a white person? And you said, maybe you didn't know, right? I no, think I, it. I said, yes. Okay. So it, it doesn't matter the group, right? When we're dealing with the church and we're dealing with saved people who are claiming to be saved people, when I talk about the church, I'm talking about us who are professing to walk in truth, who are professing to, you know, live what we would consider the message or the doctrines of Christ. I'm just appalled that it can even be there. And so I want to know from you guys, because we've been doing this about an hour and a half now, number one. Would you guys be willing to come back and do one more with us? Because I don't really – do you guys – I don't feel like we're done. He's He's got a lot of questions. I'm, I'm telling you, he's loaded with them. He's going to come back next week. I'm not going to get a chance to say anything to you. Do you, do, do you think if we're not done, would you guys be willing to come back one more time? Absolutely. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah, part two. Can we do a part two? Part yes. two. Yes. Yes. Okay. With that being said, give us um, just some final comments for this part. What do you, you know, any, and I would like for all of you to just give final comments, including Sister K, Cookie Lady, if she could. And that is not stereotyping. That is truth. That <laughs> is just plain truth. When you're the Cookie Lady, you're the Cookie Lady, right? 
she holds that recipe dear to her heart because she won't give it. <laughs> There's apparently one ingredient, and she just refuses to let go of it. What would you say if I told you I knew what it was? Uh, we're in this podcast right now and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, it's Sister Kay is going to tell us the ingredient to her cookie to finish up the podcast. No, <laughs> just say something. Yeah, just uh, just some final comments about what you guys think about this. Where should we go? Any cr- critical thinking is welcome. Um, suggestive thinking is welcome. Where do we need to go from here is the question that I want to ask. I first just want to say thank you for having the podcast and giving us a platform to talk about it and hopefully continue the conversation, um, however that might go. Um, but that's kind of where I want to start with it and just say thank you guys for allowing us to be a part of the conversation. Oh, thank you for being here. It's a blessing. Um, yeah, I don't have any like final, you know, thoughts as far as, you know, what we've discussed apart from, I think we just really need to really think about the whole trust and respect, um, as it relates to equity, um, amongst people in the church. And it goes beyond just black people. It's across all races and all, you know, cultures, if you will. Um, just because I think that that's what, where we're lacking. We have to stop seeing the church as a certain type of person and yes. see it as, you know, a, a mixture of individuals from all different walks of life. Um, yes. that brings such a sweet spirit to the church. That's what, that's what can make us so beneficial to the world around us because we all have a different way of, of seeing the world. We all have a different perspective and we all Absolutely. can see, you know, different groups of people and talk to different groups of people in our own circles. And if yes, we all need to say the same message, but we all say it in a different way that affects our groups differently. Absolutely. Um, once we start seeing that as something that is edifying and seeing our diversity as something real and not as something that may be, you know, bad or different or saying things like, I don't see color, you know, no, see color, see our difference, see our culture. Like that's, that's, that's us. That's me, you know? And, and I love that. I love having conversations with people. And if you have questions, we are always welcome to answer those questions as long, you know, as it's coming in the right spirit and the right attitude. Awesome. So you use the D word. I got to comment on that for just a second. Diversity, right? I like, also like what you said about, you know, don't see colors. That's not true. That's going to happen. And I think the most powerful thing you said was, is that there's a reason why the apostle Paul was called. None of the other disciples could work with the Gentiles. Right. They just couldn't do it. They were too wrapped up in their culture. And so that God called him specifically for that job. And so if, if you look at it, then God kind of diversified the disciples, right? Mm-hmm. because he had to get somebody who could actually go out and work to the, with the Gentiles. That's a powerful point. Jess, I appreciate you sharing that. Who's next? Jordan, go ahead. I I will also echo uh, Caitlin and just saying, I, I want to thank everyone on this podcast. It's been fantastic. And as much as this has been um, an awesome time for us to talk, I think it's a, a beautiful step forward for everyone on this, on this conversation. Um, you know, unfortunately I was talking about how this has never been talked about in you know, just because I, I believe it's 32 now, but we're having the conversation now. And that is important. And that is the first real step for us to continue to tell our story and continue to help where we can, but also uh, for you guys to continue that journey as well. And I think it's a journey. And I think that's the other thing 
for me, as I've uh, you know talked to numerous people over the last year and a half, is I continue to tell them as they have questions, you're not going to get it all in a, in a podcast. You're not going to get mm-hmm. it all. But the journey, and as my dad said, the respect um, and the trust for all of us to have this dialogue and to show some empathy towards the people asking the questions, that is super important to me. Um, so I will finish, like Jessica said, anyone that's listening, please reach out to any of us. Um, we would we would love to continue the conversation, not only on the podcast, but outside um, and, and really appreciate the time. So thank, thank you guys. No, thank you, Jordan. I appreciate the just the, the, you know, you guys have mentioned trust and you've mentioned, you know, respect and empathy because that's, that's what's going to change things. Somebody's got to carry this on when all of us old people die because <laughs> us old people are getting close to dying. So I'm going to encourage every young heart sitting in the room to carry this conversation on and not let this drop. If this is something that's new and it's never been done before, then I don't believe God would just wants it to hit the floor. So you guys need to be thinking about that. Katie wants me to just say thank you for allowing us as a family to be a part of this. And we appreciate the opportunity to share our thoughts towards this racism in the church. Thank you, sister Katie. We do appreciate the opportunity. Um, Maybe, you know, I'll close with, this thought from the family, the Bible likens us to a body, right? Yes. Um, and the body has many members and all the members are diverse. Absolutely. And so if we look at it in that realm, diversity is not a bad word. No, it's not. All the members are diverse and distinct. And when we begin to treat each member as a diverse and distinct entity, then we can allow the body through the leading of the Holy Ghost to really have its way in this, uh, not only in this particular discussion, but in moving in such a way where the church can move forward in a much greater way to win lost souls. So it's a body. It's a diverse body. It's a a body of diverse, distinct parts. And we're thankful that we have the ability to play a small part in that. So we want to thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, so if you guys are comfortable with doing a part two, we'll do it in two weeks. Because there are some other things that what, that I want us to try to talk about as well. Um, and I want to end with this. <laughs> I was at a camp meeting one time, and there was um, a brother there. It was Brother Nathan Duadani. And uh, Brother Nathan is definitely an anointed minister, right? And I say this because of, to validate what you guys said about brother Jeff. I sat there the whole camp meeting, you know, I was there every night, I think. Right. And I kept wondering, when are they going to use brother Nathan? When are they going to ask brother Nathan? When so I asked the question, you know, why aren't they using brother Nathan? And I really got the impression that they felt like because he was from a foreign country and because of who he was, because he was a black guy, that you know he may not even be used and i'm in missionaries from other countries when they come here when you go when you go to their country they're not doing any of the preaching i mean when i go to haiti if i would if i went to haiti by myself which i went with just me and one other person before 
And I have literally preached two messages a day for a week straight. That's a lot of preaching, man, right? They come here and it don't happen. And we ought to afford that opportunity because, man, there's so much that could be brought, you know? Um, It's kind of like, well, we just have one special mission night and the brother gets up and speaks and, you know, I'm like, Lord, have mercy. Cut the guy loose. There'll be people who have a, get a lot of help if he just cut him loose, man. Let him preach every night, you know, because so it it's there. It's there. I've I've seen it, witnessed it myself. But thank you, guys. Um, I'm going to see if Greg wants to go ahead and tell us what we're doing here. So I do appreciate you guys doing this. I've I've talked to a couple of you about this in any way, you know, and it's just been even better to be able to discuss it more on an intimate level when it comes to church. You know, we all have our opinions outside of the church, but inside the church, you really want to, you want to see it, you know, because I feel like, I feel like you could talk in a way um, to someone and that could be racist, you know, by whole, you know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, they definitely don't want to hear what I have to say about this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there could be um, just different things of that nature. Um, the things, the unspoken things that could be racist, not just the spoken things. And, uh, uh, you guys all know that I appreciate and love y'all dearly, just like family. Um, so yeah, we'll shoot for, I guess, three weeks from today. We'll try to knock out, uh, part two and we'll get into some more intimate conversation about, um, I guess, personal experiences and things like that and kind of being labeled as a, a singer and nothing else. I don't know if Jeff can sing. I know he can preach, preach <laughs> some heavy, heavy fire. I've, I've seen it multiple times. Um, but, uh, but that's, I mean, that's how I, that's how I label Ken. Or I, was, I was talking to somebody today. I was like, uh, yeah, we're, we're talking with uh, Brother Jeff. I'm like, who is he? I'm like, he's preached at the church a few times. Like, what do you mean? You, how do you not know this guy? You know? Um, but anyway, uh, Jeff's a preacher to me. He's not a singer from yeah. what I understand. <laughs> but uh, once again, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you for listening. Um, this will be on all, um, all platforms. We do have iTunes, Odyssey, uh, uh, Spotify. And I think there was one other one, but I can't remember. Either way, it'll come up uh, soon. We'll clean it up, and then we'll send it out, and then I'll send you guys a personal link. That way you can get a hold of it too um, and share it or whatever you want to do. Um, but I appreciate you once again. Thanks for everybody listening. Uh, I've got a we, script, one scripture I want to read. We'll, First we'll, Corinthians twelve thirteen. We'll close it down after Ken reads scripture. For by one spirit, for by one spirit, are we all baptized into one body whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. If that, if that scripture is lived, racism will not exist. It's impossible. It's impossible. So we'll end on that note. And uh, once again, I appreciate you guys. Uh, love y'all dearly. And we will talk to you here shortly um, about what we're going to do next. Thanks, everyone.